on January 22nd, 1973, nearly 50 years ago, the Supreme Court of the United States issued a 7-2 decision. Seven people among the 300 million Americans made a decision in 1973 in favor of Jane Roe. Now, who was Jane Roe? Jane Roe was a woman by the name of Norma McCorvey from Texas. And she had a very troubled life. Matter of fact, when she was expecting her third child, she was encouraged by abortion activists to pursue an abortion. And Texas law at that time would not allow her to have an abortion. And so her case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And it took two years to get there. And during those two years, she gave birth to her child. She did not abort it. Later on in her life, she would turn away from abortion support and become an advocate for life. She tried to overturn the Roe versus Wade decision, but she was unable to. And you know that that Roe versus Wade decision held that women in the United States had a fundamental right to choose whether to have abortions without excessive government restriction. And that decision nearly 50 years ago struck down Texas law, which stated that abortion was illegal for her. And the Supreme Court said that the Texas law was unconstitutional. And they went to the Constitution of the United States and in the sections that deal with privacy, you look at the Bill of Rights and the sections that deal with privacy, and they believed that abortion was an issue of privacy. Therefore, the Constitution of the United States supported a woman's privacy when it came to to making that decision. But they also, in that Roe versus Wade, struggled with when life began. And they stated that philosophers and theologians could not come to an agreement as to when life began. Therefore, they determined that abortion would be illegal after the 24th week of pregnancy. Now, you might have understood that abortion was legal in the United States clear up till the time of delivery. But in 1973, the Roe v. Wade decision would not allow you to have an abortion after 24 weeks. Unless the states would allow it. Up to 24 weeks, they said that no state could make any law with reference to abortion. But after 24 weeks, states could make restrictions in their state laws. 50 years ago. Since 1973, we have seen over 63 million abortions in the United States of America. On June 24th, 2022, six 
justices in a six to three decision said that Roe versus Wade was not decided constitutionally. And they said that states' rights are what is at stake. And they sent the issue of abortion restriction back to the states. That's what happened this last week. And you need to understand that the decision that was made on the 24th of June did not eliminate abortion in the United States. Any woman today who wants to have an abortion in the United States can have an abortion in the United States. Now, she might happen to live in a state that restricts abortion more than Roe versus Wade. But here in the United States, if she's living in a state that does not perform abortions or will not let you have an abortion after six weeks or 12 weeks or 14 weeks, she has an option in this country to go to any state that allows for abortion, and that state will grant her an abortion. Our state, New York, on January 22, 2019, state legislator met, met and they codified Roe versus Wade into law for the state of New York. And not only that, and by the way, you also have got to understand that in New York State, you still cannot have an abortion after 24 weeks. That's state law now. But up to 24 weeks, you can have an abortion in New York. And you might not have known this, but $35 million was set apart, set aside, taxpayer money, in order to help people from other states get to New York State if they want to have an abortion here and their state will not allow it. Taxpayer money. And yet, because of that decision yesterday, democracy has been restored. The authority of the Constitution has been restored. So rather than seven people in 1973 telling 330 million people that this is allowed Six people yesterday figured out that they as six people do not have the authority to impose government will that's unconstitutional. And it came back to the states. And now 330 million people in the United States have an opportunity to make their voices heard on this issue. Now, I already know what New York has decided. It's codified in law. Do I appreciate what they did in 2019, January 22? No, absolutely not. I watched in disgust as Governor Cuomo signed that legislation into law and everyone in that chamber got up and began to clap. That troubled me. And so my voice, and it should be the voice of every Bible preacher Anyone that has a biblical worldview, my voice will be a voice that advocates for life. The sanctity of life. And I found it very discouraging to listen to Congress women yesterday disparage the Supreme Court of the United States 
an equal branch of government making a decision that's based on constitutional law and listening to them disparage and call out the Supreme Court and say, we will defy you. And then to have to listen to European leaders criticize what took place in the United States on January 24th. Listening to the president of France criticize our Supreme Court and then to have members of our administration agreeing with European leaders against our Supreme Court. And do you realize that in the United States of America that you can still have an abortion in one of the states up to 24 weeks, but over in France they will limit it to 14 weeks? Who has a greater restriction in the United States or France? And so why are they lecturing us? That's just factual. So unfortunately for me, not much changed on January 24, 2022. Abortion is still legal in the United States. And you can travel anywhere in the United States that provides abortion and get an abortion. And so I'm going to speak today about the sanctity of life from a biblical worldview. I see what is going on in the world and I'm looking at it through the lenses of God's revelation. Unashamedly. I've not lived life long enough to know all things. I've not experienced all things. I am very dependent on what my creator has revealed to me in a book called the Bible. It is my authority. It is my thinking. I get it's my guidance from, from that. And as I look at this book, I remind myself that my arch enemy, the devil, is a liar. And he is a murderer and has been from the beginning. And I want you to, with me, understand today the value of life. And there's a number of verses that I want to call to your attention And why do I value life? And the real issue, the first question that has to be established is when does life begin? And is that baby in the womb a human? Or does that baby in the womb become a human after 24 weeks? And hence, after 24 weeks, the Supreme Court in 1973, it becomes viable. In other words, it can survive outside of the womb. So we'll put the 24 weeks on that. And now it's a human being. And because it's outside of the womb as a human being, we'll value that life. We'll recognize it as life. We'll guard it as life. But... If that is a true life, do I have, and here is the real issue, do I have the choice to terminate that life? Now, I do believe in women's choice. I believe that a woman has a choice as to what man she's going to marry, what type of job she's going to have, what home she's going to live in, whether or not she's going to have pets. I could go on and on and on. I believe in women making choices. I believe in that. But we have got to determine whether or not a woman has the choice to terminate a life inside of her womb. Is it really what is being killed? If what is being terminated, if what is being killed in the womb is not a human being, if it's not a life, then I could care less what she decides. 
because I believe in personal choice. But we've got to understand that this is a moral issue, a moral choice. And so you've got to start there. Is it a human being? Does it have value? And I would remind us all that the Word of God says in Genesis 1.27 that God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is the author of creation. And may I point out to you that the, that the human has value because they were made in the image of God. The issue is the image of God. But I'd also have you see from Psalm 139 that the word of God says, you formed my inward parts. You, the creator, wove me in my mother's womb. And I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Who made us in secret? Who wove us together in the womb? Who even made our frame, our bones, our skeletal system, and every, well, our God did, and it was skillfully wrought. Your eyes have seen my, look at verse 16, my unformed, my unformed substance. And in your book, were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Do you know that in the book of God, God determined how many days you would live? Matter of fact, the word of God says that he knows the day of your birth and he knows the day of your death. I used to really worry about the day of my death. I'm a diabetic. My grandfather was a diabetic. He had a massive heart attack when he was 55. My older brother and I are diabetics. When we reached 55, it was a milestone for us. My father, my natural father, died when he was 57 of a massive heart attack. And so as my brother and I are, are, are moving forward to our 57th year, we began to wonder, are we going to make it? Two months short of his 57th year, my brother died of a heart attack. Well, I made it past 55. I made it past 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, and I'm 63 this year. And I'm not worrying about the day of my death. Matter of fact, I've just committed that to the Lord. I said, Lord, if it's your will, I'd love to be 91 years old like my grandmother, my dad's mother. And Father, if it's okay with you, I'd like to be 99 like my great-grandmother. If I have a clear mind and I'm not a burden to anybody, that becomes an issue. Lord, just take me home. There's so much more I want to do. But I want you to understand that from the word of God, before you were an unformed substance, God determined how many days you would live. He is the one creating in the womb, weaving as the creator. Look at Psalm 119. Your hands made me and fashioned me in the womb. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, in the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself, spreading out the earth all alone. I am amazed that our God, 
the one who stretches out the heavens and they expand and expand and expand, the one who numbers all the stars and gives them a name like we sung today, that same God in the creation of humanity determined that there would be a male and a female. That's what he created. Two genders. And he determined that at the appropriate time of a woman's life that she would receive all of her eggs at one time. She would have every egg she would have and it would be there. And then in the miracle of God, every month an egg would come, perhaps two sometimes, but on, on time, on God's calendar, he made the female body to be this way. And for 12 to 24 hours, that egg has an opportunity to be fertilized. And if that egg is fertilized in that 12 to 24-hour period, life begins. And it'll make a journey. It'll take several days and it'll come down the fallopian tube and a chemical reaction takes place and a reaction takes place in the lining of the uterus that becomes sticky and that egg slows down and it becomes embedded in the side of that uterus. And the development of that life continues. Do you realize that the man that you're looking at right now came from that embryo? I was that embryo. That's who I was. Well, Bill, you were not fully developed, therefore you had no value. And because you had no value, it was okay to terminate your life. You were not human. Excuse me. Then please help me understand something. My mother was a human. My father was a human. How can two, two human beings, a male and a female human being, produce something that is not a human being but later becomes a human being? Explain that one to me. No, our God is our creator. Job would say, did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? Did you not clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? Who is the one that puts the skin on the bones and everything together. It is our God. You have value because you were made in the image of God. You have value because God created you when there was no substance. And he took that egg and that sperm. And what, uh, what it is incredible to me that from those two living things, when they came together to produce my life, from that came who I am today. I am human. And I was human the moment that egg was fertilized. How did God do it? What a powerful God. And the issue is that you, you have value not only because you bear the image of God and God fashioned and formed you, but you have value as a human being before you were born biblically. And this comes right out of the book of Exodus 21. If a man struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there's no injury, Let's say that the child is further, far enough along. She's struck. She gives birth. There's no injury. The child lives. He shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him. 
and he shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty, what? Life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for tan, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Do you realize that God in his word said that what was in the womb was life? And if anything happened to that life in the womb and you were responsible for the death of what was in the womb, that they could take your life too? That is why many times when a woman is pregnant, even today in United States law, if she loses a child due to, let's say she's murdered, you know what they charge the murderer with? Double homicide. Because there was a person, a human being, in that womb whose life has value And my friends, you also have value as a human being because God has a purpose for our living. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that incredible? Before God ever formed us in the womb, he would say to Jeremiah, I knew you. Before your mother's egg was ever fertilized, God knew you. And then he created you and he wove you when there was no substance there. Does that sound like it's a human being, yes or no? And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He had a purpose for Jeremiah's life. My friend, he has a purpose for our life too. And I would remind you that there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him, haughty lies, lying tongue. By the way, you better listen very carefully to what you're hearing in this nation over the coming months because I've already heard so many lies that are coming to us through the media from politicians. They're lying to the American people. God hates that. And hands that shed innocent blood. Nothing more innocent than the blood of an unborn child. And I am standing up here today as a Bible preacher to advocate for life because the Word of God says in Proverbs 31, open your mouth for the mute for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Someone can't speak for themselves, speak for them. Nothing more vulnerable than an unborn child. Our oldest daughter was here this last week. We had a joy of visiting with her and one of my sons. She was born April, uh, September 27th, 1985. She weighed four pounds and 11 ounces, 19 inches long, full, full term, but she went into the ICU unit and was there for nearly two weeks. And we'd go in and we'd see her and we'd reach our hand in the little incubator and we would touch her hand and, and we would hold her when we were able to hold her, that tiny little life. And we wondered if she was going to make it. And then after that ICU visit, she came home. But 18 months later, she would go through physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy. And to this day, She still struggles with some issues. And yet there is nothing more valuable to me than my children. For children are a heritage and a gift of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. 
we had a quiver that had six, although my wife lost one. Some of you ladies have lost children. But I, I, I have told my children, you are my wealth. What is the value of an unborn child, a human being? What is the value there? Two years ago this summer, on July 4th, a mother carrying twins went into labor, and she was rushed as the firecrackers were going off and filling the sky down to the University of Alabama Birmingham Hospital. And the next day, July 5th, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, she gave birth to twins. Unfortunately, one of the twins, a little girl, passed away. But I want you to meet Curtis. Curtis and his sister were born not at 24 weeks, not at 23 weeks, not at 22 weeks, but you're looking at a little boy who was born at 21 weeks. And according to the law of the United States prior to Friday, this little boy could have been aborted. Yet he's alive today. He spent 275 days in ICU. You imagine the, the cost of that? Do you have any idea of the millions of dollars after 275 days so that Curtis could go home? Look at the value of life. Those that are pro-life have value in life. And for us, the argument is a moral argument whether or not that is a human being in the womb with value. And if it's not a human being in the womb, and if it doesn't have value, then I don't care what choice you make. But if it is a human being with as value because it's made in the image of God, it is fashioned and formed by God, God has a purpose for their life, and God has numbered their days, then it has value. And the issue shouldn't be viability. Because Curtis now holds the Guinness World Record as the youngest person born in the world's history. And he's alive today. And prior to Friday, every state would have to allow a baby that age aborted. Now, there are states that still allow you to abort a, boy, a baby this age. Matter of fact, do you know that you can go to the, the, the Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, our nation's capital? You can go to a place called the DuPont Center. You can go online and check this out. And they will perform abortions on babies. They're not a state. Remember this? They're not a state. They're not restricted. You can get an abortion in Washington, D.C. at the DuPont Center up to 31 weeks, six days in the United States of America. Is that a human being? Does it have value? So the fundamental question that you have to answer whether you're pro-abortion or pro-life, 
is what is it before you can answer, can we kill it? Got to answer that question. What is it? Oh, Bill, why don't you trust women to make their own decisions? Well, I have a question for you. Would we allow or say it's okay to kill a toddler in trusting a woman to make her own decision in that area? Yes or no? And the reason would be because we say it's what? A human being. Matter of fact, yesterday I saw on the news, boom, a lady that's being prosecuted. They found her after 30 years. They solved a cold case. She was pregnant. No one knew about it. She gave birth to her own child. She took and slit the throat of her own child and laid it in the front lawn. The child was found, and they didn't know who the mother was. And then through DNA technology, they were able to solve that case, and they arrested her yesterday. The unborn are human like the toddler. Would you agree that it's wrong to kill them too? If it truly is human. And I state again what I said earlier. My mother is human. My father is human. And the two of them came together Could they produce something that wasn't human and then became human somewhere in the process? Or did that male and that female produce a human being the moment of fertilization? You know, I need to recognize today that there's no difference between the embryo that you were and the adult you are today. You say, wait a minute, Bill. One time you were just a small mass and you weren't fully developed. You were smaller at one time than you are today. Well, you tell me why body size has anything to do with this argument. I can look out at this audience and I see some men that are a lot bigger than I am. Are they more valuable than I am? I see some of you are a little shorter than I am. You're smaller than I am. Do you have less value because of your size? Absolutely not. So if you're going to terminate the life of a human being because they're small, a human being because they're small, then why don't you terminate the life of a human being after they come out of the womb? Don't, we, we give, we give uh, uh, people that are small value, don't we? As much as those who have a larger frame. Well, they don't have a developing brain. You know, they don't even have a heartbeat yet until six weeks and their brain hasn't developed. Well, what does that matter? Why does the development of, of a human being have anything to do with its value and whether or not you consider it a, a, a human being? I know a lot of little girls that are born and they haven't developed the ability to reproduce. They're not fully developed. Tell her their late teens and early 20s? Do they not have value? Are they not a human being because they're not fully developed? When you were born, were you fully developed? Were you fully developed physically? Was your mind fully developed? I used to remind my sons as we would have our discussions that, you know, they say that a young man's brain is not as developed as it should be until he's in his mid-20s. 
They say the women's brain develops a little faster. Size doesn't matter in this discussion. Whether or not someone is fully developed does not matter. Children develop. So do you kill the toddler because it's not fully developed? Oh, it's not really fully developed. Matter of fact, that baby just came out of the womb. Man, it's got a long way to go. So let's just kill it. It's not fully developed. Well, how about, you know, in in the womb? It used to be in the womb, but now it's out of the womb. How does where you are change who you are? Do you think Curtis was Curtis in the womb? Of course he was. No problem at recognizing him as Curtis out of the womb. If you weren't human before you left the womb, then why are you human after you left the womb? How about the degree of dependency? Well, this little unborn child is dependent on its mother. And the mother ought to have the choice as to whether or not she is going to continue this pregnancy. Remember, it's her choice and her body. May I remind all of us that we're not talking about the woman's body. We're talking about the little body of the woman or the man inside of her womb. That's the body we're talking about. Don't they have a choice about life? Shouldn't we give them a choice? Will we not recognize that 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 is not her body in the womb? Matter of fact, that child will receive life from his father and his mother together in a miracle, and it will be a separate body. It is not the father's body. It is not the mother's body. And matter of fact, it is not the mother's DNA, and it's not the father's DNA. That little body, that little human being, has its own unique DNA. It's not her body. It's a human being. From the moment of fertilization, when God began to fashion and form it. And why does dependency on a mother mean that you can kill it? Think of co-joined twins. There's been a famous twins that have been in the news recently. I remember when that was a big issue, and I think that they're looking at separating them or have separated them or something like that. Do you know, if you're a co-joined twin and both of you are sharing a vital organ and you're dependent on one another, should we just go ahead and kill one of them because they're dependent on one another? And by the way, have you ever heard of the surgeon out in California? I believe his last name is Harrison. He, in, he, he, he operates on preborns, and he does it right in the womb. And on some occasions, he has taken that baby partly out of the womb, performed hernia surgery on the little baby and put it back in the womb. So it wasn't a human being when it was in the womb? Well, then it become a human being when he pulled it out of the womb? And then he put it back in the human being? Did it not become in the womb? It didn't become a human being? Like I said, you can get an abortion in the state of New York, clear up to the time of 24 weeks Friday didn't change that. 
If you're living in a state that doesn't provide you an abortion up to 24 weeks, come to New York. They'll pay you to get you here using my money and help terminate the life of the human being inside of you. And I'm supposed to be happy about that. And I'm supposed to keep my mouth shut about that while I watch pro-life clinics burn across this country and churches burn across this country and threats of violence, threats against Supreme Court justices, State Department coming against the Supreme Court. And I'm just supposed to remain quiet as a preacher and let this continue. Secular science settled when a baby becomes human. They settled it. And you can read books from secular scientists that deal with embryology, and they will tell you that life begins at fertilization. That's secular. You say, well, I'm going to close with this. There's so much more I could go on and say, but I will say this. Well, what about the poor person? Shouldn't we allow abortion for a young mother who can't afford to have another child? Don't we need to show compassion? Well, yes, we do need to show compassion. But after that child is born, let's say a family can't afford a toddler. If our argument is they can't afford, therefore terminate the life of the human in the womb, they can't afford that. What about when you have a toddler you can't afford? If you can get that toddler through toddler stage and get them up into teen stage, trust me, you can't afford teenagers. So will you terminate a life because you can't afford it? Because it's outside of the womb? But you can terminate a life of a human being because you don't think you can afford it? You know how many people in the United States are waiting to adopt children? You see, all of the arguments on the pro-abortion side, whether it's choice, whether it's poor women, whether it's privacy, whether it's liberty, all of them assume, all of them assume that the human is not a human. They all do. And that is the issue today. That's where you have to begin. And I am making a moral claim today. I am making a moral choice today. This is a moral choice. Not whether you should have a certain car or a certain home or a certain job or a certain husband. That's not the type of choice I'm talking about. I'm talking about a moral choice that it is wrong, it is wrong, it is sin, it is murder to intentionally kill an innocent human being. In 2006, A politician said this just 16 years ago. And this is a quote. I do not view abortion as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that it should be rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. And there ought to be able to have a common ground and a consensus as to how to do that. You know who said that in 20, 2006? 
Joe Biden, the President of the United States of America. And I wish that our President would reverse what he is saying today and return to what he said in 2006 and lead a nation to value and protect life. Let's pray. Father, you are life. And Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And in you are, is life, and life is the light of men. And Father, I pray that you will have mercy on this nation. For we have rebelled against heaven. And we have rebelled against your holy righteous law and your holy righteous character. And Father, those that you have fashioned and woven and formed in the womb, those human beings whose life has been given by you, we have disregarded as a nation and slaughtered tens of millions of them. And Father, I know that our enemy is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And I pray that you will open up the eyes of men and women to see the value of life. And Father, that you would make us advocates, that we would speak for those who cannot speak for themselves and let our voices be heard. So give your people grace and strength, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.